And we're going to be picking up on how to receive the Holy Ghost. How many are thankful for the Holy Ghost tonight? And the Holy Ghost operating in our lives. Last week we began the process of talking about how to receive it. And we began that conversation by showing that the Bible teaches that the Holy Ghost is essential. Or we might say it this way. We might say that it's necessary to salvation. How many want to be saved? The Holy Ghost is essential to our salvation, or what we sometimes call the new birth experience. And uh, we examined the Old Testament and found that it foretold of the outpouring of the Spirit. And we also showed that Jesus prophesied of the outpouring of the Spirit on more than one occasion. And we examined Old Testament and New Testament scriptures which foretold that the outpouring would be evidenced by stammering lips And speaking in other tongues. How many remember when God filled you with the Holy Ghost for the first time as evidenced by speaking in other tongues? And uh, now this sounds like a harsh thing to say, so I'm going to let the Word of God speak for itself. And it's behind me on the screen here. And if you have your Bibles, we're just going to jump right in. And I need to hurry because I I need to finish this lesson tonight and I want to get you out of here at a decent time. But let's look at Romans 8 and 9 together, if you would. Could we read this? But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none. Everyone said none of his. So being filled with, everyone said filled with, and staying full of. The Spirit is more than just a bonus for being a Christian. It's more than just a benefit of Christianity. It's essential to our salvation. You cannot claim uh, to be in Christ, of Christ, uh, without being full of the Spirit. Being full of the Spirit, having the Spirit, is uh, dwelling inside of you. That is an evidence of being in Christ. And this is a key scripture Uh, to understand if you want to be in Christ. You cannot be in Christ and not have His Spirit dwelling in you. I'm thankful for the indwelling Spirit of Christ in my life. And so, oftentimes, uh, we say that speaking in other tongues is the initial evidence. Now, that's not a a term that is necessarily a biblical term, but uh, it's a term that we've coined. That's the initial evidence that someone has received the Holy Ghost for the very first time it's the some one preacher said it's the first sign or the first fruit as some have called it so speaking in other tongues is that initial evidence the proof that you've received the holy ghost but i think it's important that we understand that it's not the only evidence of the infilling of the holy ghost can i get an amen it's not the only evidence it's the first evidence it's the first sign it's uh it's it's uh it's that first breath when my when my uh, both of my children were born when they came uh, when they came out of the the womb they came out and they were and they were crying loudly and they weren't talking but they were crying and they were making noise and uh, and that's how we were thankful that was the birth experience and so when we the new birth experience and we speak in other tongues it's that first cry to God how many are thankful for it and now there's many other evidence but I want to take you to Galatians 5 and 19 
And it says this, now the works of the flesh, it's not going to be on the screen, so if you have your Bibles, Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 19, he begins by saying, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. These aren't the works of the Spirit. These are the works of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, and it goes on and on. Verse 21, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not, someone said they shall not, look at your neighbor and say, God cares about how I live. That was very weak. God cares about how I live. We're in the New Testament, not the Old Testament now. They shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. So you can speak in tongues all day on Sunday. And if you go out and hate your brother, you are not full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The initial evidence is speaking in other tongues, but you've got to keep on walking in the spirit and the fruit of the spirit will grow in your life. And that will be an ongoing evidence of God's spirit dwelling inside of you. How many want to walk in the spirit on a daily basis? I want to do more than just be emotional. I want to walk in the spirit. Now, when you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to be emotional. Your emotions are going to be impacted. But when you leave Sunday night church full of the Holy Ghost, you've got to make up your mind that on Monday, Monday morning when that alarm goes off you're going to wake up and continue steadfastly in the apostles doctrine you're going to continue to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh every day of your life you have to make a conscious decision whether or not you're going to walk in the lust of the flesh the pride of life or if you're going to walk in the spirit and some people have have an incorrect idea an incorrect view of what the spirit does when you're full of the holy ghost when god fills you with the spirit he doesn't suddenly take over your body and begin to live holy for you god empowers you but you've got to walk in the spirit you've got to make a decision that i am going to live for god i'm going to live righteously and holy before god all right moving along i want to talk about six things that the spirit does for us and accomplishes in us. Number one, the Spirit gives power. Everyone said power. Acts 1.8, Jesus speaking, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. I have people that ask me, oftentimes, they'll say, uh, they'll say Brother Ryan, uh, I'm struggling to walk uh, uprightly. I'm struggling to live right. And I know that uh, that individual doesn't have the Holy Ghost. And here's what I often tell people. Before you're going to be able to live the way God wants you to live, you need the Holy Ghost in your life because the Holy Ghost will empower you. The Holy Ghost will help you. The Holy Ghost will strengthen you. How many are thankful that the Holy Ghost strengthens you on a daily basis? Hey, hey, child of God, you don't think you're overcoming sin on your own, do you? It's the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. Hey, we need to take off some of our self-righteousness and our robes of purity, and we need to understand that it's God's spirit that empowers us to walk with him on a daily basis you can't do it by yourself it's the Holy Spirit operating inside of you 
that empowers you to live the way God intends for you to live. We need the whole. I, I don't know about you, but I need the Holy Ghost every day. The moment that I start trying to depend on my own strength or my own goodness or or the moment that I start thinking, hey, Ryan's got it figured out. He really has this living for God thing down. The moment that I do that, number one, I've slipped into a spirit of pride and arrogance. And how many know that pride and arrogance will destroy you faster than just about anything? But what happens is that's a, that's a form of humanism. When you start trying to lean on your on your own, uh, the, the psalmist said, lean not to thine own understanding. We have to we have to get away from that thinking and we need to walk in the spirit. It's the spirit that gives us power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come up on you. Praise God. So number two, the spirit gives us joy. Someone ought to shout joy. It gives us peace. And it gives us righteousness. Romans 14 and 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. In other words, it's not just physical things. It's not just necessities. It's not just things that we can see and touch and taste and feel. But it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. But Brother French, you don't understand. I'm going through a time of depression. I'm going through. I don't know how to get the victory in my life. You need the Holy Ghost in your life. It'll give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. Brother French, I haven't felt peace in a long time. You better get in an altar and get refilled with the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost that will give you joy. It's the whole. I wish somebody would preach with me. I know it's Wednesday. The Holy Ghost will give you peace. And the Holy Ghost will help you to walk in righteousness amen i want to live i want to be righteous brother french get the holy ghost operating in your life number three and this is i think this is very important and apostolics need to understand this the spirit imparts the love of god not just to us but through us romans 5 5 and hope maketh us not ashamed because the love of god look at your neighbor and say the love of god We don't love the way the world loves. And I'm thankful for that because the world has a crazy, mixed up, messed up view of love. People just don't people don't understand what love is anymore. But the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. How? By the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. We need to be full of love, and we don't get that on our own. We get that through the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will infuse us with love, and when we have godly love in our hearts, not only will we love God, but we'll love our brothers and our sisters, we'll love one another, and we'll even love people that are hard to love. Did you know that we ought to make an effort to love the unlovable? You know, when you can, it's easy to love people who love you back. It's easy to love people who smile at you and do nice things for you. But I'll tell you, the real test of whether or not we're walking in the spirit is can we love people who are difficult to love? And and some of us, when I say that, you're thinking of people right now that are difficult to love and that might be the person sitting next to you. That's okay. Go ahead and love them anyway. And when you when you find that you're running out, go get a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost operating in our life. All right, number four, the Spirit gives us immortality. Romans 8, 11, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit. Someone said His Spirit that dwelleth in you. So the same Spirit 
that raised Jesus from the dead on the third day is dwelling inside of you. That ought to cause somebody to get excited tonight when you understand that the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead and rolled the stone away is here in this church service tonight dwelling inside of the hearts of believers. That ought to help you understand that you can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That ought to help you understand that you can pray in the name of Jesus and sickness will begin to flee. That ought to help you understand that no demon in hell can have authority over your life because you have the same spirit inside of you that raised Jesus from the dead. And by the way, it's his spirit when the trumpet sounds that's going to quicken you and cause you to go up and be caught up with the saints in the air. How how many want to be ready to be caught up to meet him in the air when the trumpet sounds? And I'm hurrying. The spirit teaches us. Someone said it teaches us. John 14 and 26, Jesus speaking. We read this last week. We're repeating it here. But it says the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Let me just pause here. And this isn't in my notes. But can I just say uh, that having a teachable spirit is a very important thing. Wherever you are in your walk with God, whether you're brand new in your relationship with God, whether you're a longtime Christian, having a teachable spirit is an important part of our relationship with God and with one another. We need to be able to have a teachable spirit. And to be full of the Holy Ghost is to have an understanding that we need to, to grow in knowledge and the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, as the Apostle Paul often said. And so the Holy Ghost will teach us and guide us. I want the Holy Spirit to be my teacher. What does that mean? I, I, we could go into a long theological conversation here, but can I just break things down into just uh, simple terms tonight? When you're full of the Holy Ghost and you begin to read the Word of God, the Holy Ghost will quicken things to you. When, when you open up your Bible and you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're going to begin to understand things that were difficult for you to understand before you had the Holy Ghost. That sounds crazy. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. When you have the Holy Ghost and you hear godly preaching and teaching, it's going to impact you differently than it did previously when you did not have the Holy Ghost. It's important to have the Holy Ghost because you will grow in the grace and the knowledge of who Jesus is. It will help you to have a teachable and a right spirit. That's why it's important if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you ought to be seeking the Holy Ghost for many reasons, not just because you need to be saved, but because you need to grow in your relationship with God. And the Holy Ghost is a teacher that will help you to grow in your relationship with God. The Holy Ghost will teach us. Number six, the Spirit guides us into truth and shows us things that are to come. John 16 and 13, Jesus speaking again, how be it? When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. There's some powerful things there. I don't want to dwell on that, but the Holy Ghost can quicken you. Did you know that the Holy Ghost can show you things to come? I remember when I was a young person, I had a youth pastor, and, uh, and this particular youth pastor called me late, late one night, and, uh, and he had been praying, and he said, Brother Ryan, I've been praying for you, 
And he said, uh, such and such is going to happen tomorrow. And I'm praying that you'll respond in a certain way. And I'll never forget, I woke up and so- the exact thing that he told me was going to happen, happened in my life. And he had already been praying for me and, and given me wisdom on how to operate through that. You can't tell me that that was not the power of the Holy Ghost helping that man of God in my life. Hey, listen to this preacher. You need a man of God in your life who's full of the Holy Ghost because sometimes God will speak into his life and show him things that you need to know. Now, I know that that goes against some of our theology, but let me, let me help you tonight to understand that the Holy Ghost can quicken you and see into the future. How many believe that God sees all things and knows all things? God's not limited to time and space. God, God's not wondering what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or a hundred years from now if he tarries. God knows exactly what's going to happen in your future. And God can speak to you and God can speak into your life. And God can help us. In every area of our life. Okay, number 10. The Holy Ghost is a gift from God. Let's look at at Luke 11 and 13. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Now our title tonight is How to Receive the Holy Ghost. And and if I were to just give you the most simplistic answer, and I know we've kind of gone the long way around. I knew my audience. I knew that this was a Wednesday night audience. If I were preaching this, I would preach it very differently. If I were giving a Bible study to someone who didn't already know these things, I would uh, I would give it to them very differently than I've done it these last two weeks. But uh if I were to break down how to receive the Holy Ghost in its very simplest form. It would simply be this. Ask God for it. I mean, if we were really not, you could say, well, there's other things you need to do. But but what did Jesus said? He said, knock and the door shall be open. Right. He said, ask and you shall receive. And here we are in the very context in Luke 11 and 13. Uh, In the very context, Jesus speaking again, as he's talking about giving gifts to your children, if you being humans, people who have a sin nature, and you love to give good gifts to your children, how many love your children and your grandchildren? How many enjoy giving giving them good things? It's a joy in my life when I'm able to give my children something that puts a smile on their face, and I do my best to give them that. And if we believe that God truly loves us, he's not uh, somewhere in heaven just trying to keep the Holy Ghost from from us and and uh, and trying to hold it back from certain people. No, God wants to give the Holy Ghost to every single person in this world. Every single person who's breathing right now on planet Earth, God desires to see them filled with the Holy Ghost. It's not the will of God that anyone should perish. And so God desires to give good gifts to his creation. And if we would simply ask God for it, if we were just going to break it down to the simplest form, you should ask God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. If you desire it and you ask God for it, he'll give it to you. Acts 2.38, this is the one we could all quote. Let's go ahead and read it out loud. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is a gift that God desires to give to his people. I believe that the Holy Ghost is not hard to receive. In fact, receiving the Holy Ghost is an easy thing to do if you ask for it and if you desire to have it. How many believe that tonight? Now, I say that, and, uh, and again, I'm being careful. I, I, I know my audience tonight, and I know the context that I'm preaching in. 
We say that it's easy, and I, I've often heard people say that it's a free gift, and, and, uh, and the, the only difficulty I have with phrasing it that way is that God does require some things from us. Amen? So we can say it's free. It's maybe a figure of speech, but, uh, but God does require that, that we repent. Amen? God requires that, that we're baptized, and, and He requires that we're baptized not just any old way. For example, I couldn't baptize you in my name. What good would that do? There's no authority in my name. There's not, no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, and that's the name of Jesus, Acts 4.12. And so we need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins, and so that's very important. So there's some requirements that we need to fulfill and, of course, we need, to, we need to surrender our lives to God in order to receive His Spirit. So there are some things that need to happen. But receiving the Holy Ghost is not hard. It's not difficult. And I, I think it becomes easier when we can help people to understand that God desires to fill them with the Holy Ghost. And if you're, if you're witnessing to people, if you're reaching out to people, the number one thing that I would encourage you to do is help them to understand that God loves them and that God desires to save them and that God desires to fill them with his spirit. And if you can help people to see that, and by the way, you cannot help people to see the love of God and to see that God loves them if you don't display love for them. Hello, anybody with me tonight? If you can't display love, a godly love for people, they'll never believe you when you tell them that God loves them because you're the hands and feet of Christ. You're the body of Christ. You're, you're, you're Christ operating in the world. And so if they don't see the love of God in you, it's going to be difficult for them to believe that God wants to fill them with the Spirit. And, uh, but, so the Holy Ghost is, is, is easy to receive, but, but I know what some of you are thinking. I, I had a friend growing up. And he was my best friend, actually. His name was Brandon. And uh, he sought the Holy Ghost. He grew up in a Pentecostal home. Uh, his parents were Sunday school teachers in our, in our church. And, uh, and he grew up seeking the Holy Ghost. I received the Holy Ghost when I was seven. Uh, and, uh, and he was 15 when he received the Holy Ghost. And he had been seeking the Holy Ghost since he was six years old. I mean, really seeking it. So that Now, you just do the math. That's a long time. That's nine years Seeking the Holy Ghost. And I don't mean just seeking the Holy Ghost once a year at youth camp or something like that. Do you remember this, Mom? I mean seeking the Holy Ghost almost every single church service. Can you imagine? Now think about that. And that was back in the days when you had revival and you might have a month of church or something. Anybody remember that? You might have church every night for a month. Some of you just got scared and almost left right now. But and so I, I remember one revival. We had three weeks of revival, revival every single night. And he sought the Holy Ghost every single night of that revival. Y'all remember that? Every night of that revival. And I don't mean he just went up there and laid on the altar. You know, he didn't just go up there and just fall. You know how some people do? Well, fill me, Lord, and then just kind of fall asleep. That, that's not what he was doing. I mean, hand stretched, tears streaming down his face. Does that, break, that breaks your heart, doesn't it? Anybody ever known someone like that? Maybe that's an extreme example. And so when a preacher says receiving the Holy Ghost isn't difficult, our minds immediately go to that person that it took them a long time to receive the Holy Ghost or that person that, that uh, may have been seeking for a while. And, uh, and I'll never forget the night that, that Brandon received the Holy Ghost. It, it was an exciting night. 
And uh, uh, I'm telling you, you've never seen a youth group. Our entire, because we'd been praying for Brandon to receive the Holy Ghost for nine years. That's a long time. That's a long time to be praying. In fact, it was at, when we would go to youth, the yearly youth camp, teen camp and things, all the pastors and all the youth workers that worked there every year, they knew Brandon and they would come up at the beginning of camp and they'd say, did he get the Holy Ghost this year? And we no. And they'd say, dear Lord, what's wrong? And then, and then they'd pray with him. They'd come and people were pray, People from all over the state of Illinois were praying for Brandon to receive the Holy Ghost. And, and I'm, all of those years, and the night he received the Holy Ghost is a powerful. And by the way, the night he received the Holy Ghost, he got up from the back row before the preacher was done preaching. He walked all the way down the front aisle, and he walked and he lifted his hands, and in about 10 seconds, he was speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Isn't that an amazing thing? All those nine years of seeking. And you know what I thought? I thought it's going to be one of those nights where we pray for four hours in the altar and he's going to get the Holy Ghost after four hours. And after all of that, ten seconds, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Isn't that amazing? And do you know what it was? He told me later. He said there was, there was and I won't tell you what it was. It's a, he said there was, an, there was an issue in my life as a young person. Now I want you to think about Listen. Sin is getting in the hearts of children younger and younger. Children do not have the luxury of innocence like some of you had maybe, perhaps. Because media and magazines and and internet and television and the lifestyles of parents have made it to where young people have things in their life from a very, very young age. And Brandon had been exposed to something as a child that was ingrained in his mind. And he had not been able to let go of it for nine years. And he couldn't let that out of his life. And so we have to be careful with children. That's why I'm excited for all of our ministries that touch the lives of children because we have to do everything that we can because the world is reaching for your children and your grandchildren on a daily basis. Let, let me tell you, Satan's working overtime trying to, get, trying to get a little bit of something in the life of children and so it can impact them as they grow. And by the time they're an adult, they're so bound that they don't even know how to pray anymore. And they can even be in a church service and be so bound by things. Did you know you can come into a church service and be so bound by sin and so bound by temptation and lust and all of these things that you're completely oblivious to the power of the Holy Ghost? We have to be very careful about those things. And so receiving the Holy Ghost really is as simple as, number one, believing on the Lord. Now, this is where many people stop. They stop at believing on the Lord Jesus Christ You know what I'm talking about, where they kind of have a little moment of belief. But we do have to start and begin by believing that Jesus bled and died for us on Calvary. You can't receive the Holy Ghost if you don't believe that Jesus bled and died for you. Amen. And you can't receive the Holy Ghost without believing. And I mean really believing that he rose from the grave. If you think that Jesus is still dead somewhere in a grave, you're not going to receive the Holy Ghost. You've got to believe that on the third day that stone began to rumble and he emerged from that tomb alive and well. You have to believe that. And you have to believe that the blood of Jesus was shed for the atonement of your sins. He was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. He was the sinless sacrifice that no one else could be. 
Amen. And you have to believe that. You have to understand that. And when you believe that, you're going to continue to walk in obedience to his word. You're going to realize that you're a sinner in need of salvation and that you can't make it on your own. You can't save yourself. You, you can't be good enough to somehow just do good, a few good deeds and, and smile and wave at enough people to earn your way into heaven. And then when you realize that I'm a sinner and I, and I need the grace of God, it's going to bring you to a place of repentance. Someone said repentance. And when you repent, you're going to say, Lord, I'm sorry for all of the things that I've done. And I'm sorry for all of the times that I've let you down, God. And also repentance is a turning away from those sins and saying, God, I'm not going to go back to those things. I'm not going to go back and do those things again. I'm going to keep on walking with you, Jesus. That's what true repentance is. And then you're obedient in baptism. So you're baptized in the name of Jesus. Someone said in the name of Jesus. Amen. One time I was preaching a revival and there was a man and that was in the church and he had been a part of that church for 20 years. And I didn't know this. I mean, he was singing in the choir. He was in the praise team. He was doing all kinds of stuff. He was on the platform. He's all over the church doing all kinds of things. And uh, he had actually attended that church longer than the current pastor had been pastoring the church. Y'all still with me? So the pastor had been there a lesser amount of time than this man had been there and the pastor when he got there this man was already in leadership doing things he thought he had the holy ghost and he thought he had been baptized in jesus name but he hadn't been for 20 years and uh, he, i mean surely he'd heard some preaching you would think and and uh, and i and i i came with a, a an pretty message i had a good one i mean it was one that's gonna it was exciting and when i got to the pulpit the lord said no i want you to just preach acts 230 nothing else just read acts 238 talk about it for a few minutes and then give an altar call and i'll never forget it i thought lord are you sure this is going to be the shortest sermon i've ever preached which <laughs> some of you are thinking lord do that again <laughs> let it be lord <laughs> never know if you pray hard enough god might so I preached, I preached, all I did, I just opened my Bible, I read Acts 2.38, I talked about it for about 10 minutes maybe, maybe not even that long. And I'll never forget this, this guy ran up to me, just tears streaming down his face, and he said, he said, Brother Ryan, I don't know why, I've never seen it, but I've been seeking for the Holy Ghost for 20 years, I've been too embarrassed to tell people that I had never received, I didn't want people to know because I was embarrassed. And he said, I couldn't understand why. I wasn't receiving the Holy Ghost. And then it dawned on me when you just read Acts 2.38 tonight that when I was baptized, I was not baptized in Jesus' name. And he said on top of that, I wasn't immersed in water either. He said when I was baptized, the guy just threw some water on my head. And he said, I realized tonight that I need to be rebaptized. Let me tell you what happened. 20 years he'd been a part of that church. They ru- when the pastor found out after we picked him up off the ground and, and, uh, and after he came back to his senses, we ran to that, to that baptismal tank. He was baptized immediately. When he came up out of the water, he was speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Obedience to God's word will allow the spirit to flow and move and operate in your life. Somebody ought to clap your hands to the Lord if you have the Holy Ghost in your life. You ought to thank God for the Holy Ghost in your life. Receiving the Holy Ghost isn't hard, but it does require obedience to God's word. You will never receive the Holy Ghost if you are unwilling to be obedient to the word of God. So now... So now what I'd like to do in the last few minutes here, and I promise I'm, I don't have much longer, 
And uh, when I say 10 things, it's going to make some of you nervous. But I, I want to look at 10 things very quickly that hinder people from receiving the Holy Ghost. Now, Brother Ryan, you just said it's easy to receive the Holy Ghost. It is easy. But we do know that there are things that can hinder us from receiving the Holy Ghost. And we need to deal with these things. Now, primarily, I'm talking to church people tonight because if I was talking to someone about receiving the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't necessarily give them this list of 10 things. But if you're someone who's praying for someone to receive the Holy Ghost, how many are praying for someone to receive the Holy Ghost right now? You have a family member, someone in your life, and you are praying that God would fill them with the Holy Ghost. In any given Sunday at Apostolic Tabernacle, we probably have 20 or 30 people who need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And if we're going to pray for them properly, if we're going to help them properly in the altar, and how many know that we should be praying with people in the altar and believing that God would fill them with the Holy Ghost? Can I just tell you something? We need to see a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost at Apostolic Tabernacle. Last year's revival and outpouring was not enough. We need to have a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost at Apostolic Tabernacle just like they did in the book of Acts. We need it. We desperately need it. You say, you say, Brother French, I want to see people start living more godly. I'll tell you what we need to do first. We need to get them full of the Holy Ghost. They're not going to be able to live right if they don't have the power of the Holy Ghost operating in their life. And they're not going to get the Holy Ghost if the church isn't praying for them to receive the Holy Ghost. And if the church isn't operating in the Holy Ghost. And if the gifts of the Spirit are not flowing in our church service. And if the fruit of the Spirit is not alive and well, people will not not receive the Holy Ghost in this church or any other church for that matter. We have got to have an atmosphere of faith. We've got to have an atmosphere of praise and worship. We've got to have an atmosphere of desperation. We've got to have an atmosphere of hunger for an outpouring. Somebody ought to get on their face and say, God, pour out your spirit. God, I'm not satisfied to just go through the motions. God, I'm not satisfied to just come and put a few dollars in the offering prayed and go home i want to see the holy ghost poured out on all flesh if the church doesn't desire to see the holy ghost poured out how can we expect sinners to desire i feel preach getting on me right now if the church isn't hungry to see an outpouring of the holy ghost why would we expect sinners to be hungry for it our hunger, our prayer, our faith, our worship, our desperation creates an atmosphere where people come and they feel conviction and they feel a hunger and they see something happening and they say, I want that in my life. If you don't have the joy of the Lord, don't expect somebody to have what you've got. You ought to say, God, I want a joy in my life that is contagious. I want a peace in my life that's contagious. I want a love in my life that's contagious. Praise God. So we need an outpouring. And there are things that hinder people from receiving the Holy Ghost. So I want to look at them. And uh, I want you to be aware of some of these things so that when you're praying with people, how many are going to be praying with people to receive the Holy Ghost? I don't, notice I didn't say four people. 
Praying for people is wonderful, and we should do that, but that implies that we're doing it from a distance, and we do it in our prayer closet, and, and sometimes we get content to just kind of be in somewhere off somewhere and just kind of praying for someone from afar. But how many know the Bible says that we ought to lay hands on people? Amen? Sometimes we need to get in there and pray with people. Sometimes we need to do like Jesus did, and we, we, need, to, we need to touch people. And be close to them and pray with them. And uh, that, I believe that's crucial to people receiving the Holy Ghost. And so that ne- means that we have to be willing to get in an altar with people and pray for them. Tarry with them. And so here's some things I want you to be aware of as you're praying with them. Number one, unbelief will hinder people from receiving the Holy Ghost. If, if, if an individual does not believe in the Holy Ghost, if they don't believe in the Word of God, And if they don't believe that they're in an environment where it can happen, they will not receive the Holy Ghost. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. All right, number two, and I think this is a big one. Many people struggle with this. Lack of true repentance. Lack of true, notice I said true repentance, will hinder people from receiving the Holy Ghost. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean a couple of things. Number one, some people will come... And they'll appear to be repenting. I came across this hundreds of times in, in my days of evangelizing. Is just because someone is crying or showing emotion doesn't mean that they're repentant. Did you know that? In fact, sometimes people are having a pity party. Having a pity party is not the same thing as repenting of your sins. Hello? Feeling sorry for your... Can I just be plain? Feeling sorry for yourself is not the same as repenting of your sins. Being sorry that you got caught is not the same as repenting of your sins. Being sorry that you're suffering consequences of sin is not the same as repenting of your sins. Is this okay? I'm just preaching it right now. Just coming and saying, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry that I'm having to go through this right now. That's not repentance of your sins. Amen. And coming, some people will come and, and say, oh, Lord, my life is so hard. And I've even seen people kind of kind of come to God and say, well, Lord, if you hadn't let this come into my life, well, I wouldn't have let that come into my life. That's not repentance of your sins. Just, well, Lord, I know I did this, but you let that happen to me. That's not repentance of your sin. Now, most people don't say that out loud. That's something that's it's a thought process that's going through their mind. Did you know God knows the thoughts and intents of your heart? You don't have to say it out loud. God knows exactly what you're thinking in your heart of hearts. And, and God is more concerned with what is happening on the inside than what's happening with your words. Whether you're alone or in an altar or in church or driving in your car, God is more concerned with what's going on in here than what's coming out of here. And so if you're coming to God with excuses or you're coming to God angry or all of these things and you're not truly repenting, in other words, what this means is you're not really acknowledging that you're a sinner who needs salvation and humbling yourself before God. And so it's important to be truly repentant before God or you're not going to receive the Holy Ghost. Number three is improper baptism. We've already talked about this, but if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sin. And and what is Acts 2.38 says? We've read it several times tonight. And you shall repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall 
receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So it's important that you're baptized properly and you're going to struggle to receive the Holy Ghost if you've been baptized improperly and you haven't been obedient to the Word of God. Can the church say amen tonight? Number four, a prideful heart. Now, now a prideful heart is something that we could approach several different ways. Many people will come to God with, with repentance. They might even be truly sorry about certain things. and done. But a prideful heart can be a heart that perhaps... One, one way a prideful heart manifests itself is that the individual who thinks that they're already a pretty good person. Now, normally we're not as good as we think we are. And most of us need someone in our life who can help us understand, hey, you're not really as great as you think you are. But, <laughs> but get married, amen. But, but some, some people... Don't have someone who's willing to be honest with them and say, hey, listen, you're not the great person you think you are. And some people come to God thinking, well, hey, I've done this and I've been good there. And, and I, you know, I'm a pretty, you know what I'm talking about. It's the, it's the, it's the person who thinks, well, hey, I, I'm really, you know, I'm just a good old boy. I'm a, I'm a pretty good guy. I can, I can do this. God, God's got to be, you know, I know that there's some issues, but God's got to know I'm pretty much a good person. You know what that is? That's a prideful heart. You've not accepted the word of God and understood you really don't understand the nature of the sin problem and how deep the sin problem really goes. And by the way, you're not being honest with yourself because if each and every one of us, if we could just take your thoughts at any given time and just throw them up on this screen here for about three minutes, some of you would, would leave and never come back. Hello. Because deep down, everybody still with me? See, it got real quiet there, didn't it? You know, really, when you get down to the root of it, none of us are as good as we know how to kind of make ourselves look to everybody else. But a prideful heart will convince us that we come to God and we've got everything worked out. A prideful heart will hinder you from receiving the Holy Ghost. Number five, distractions. Now, this is just kind of a common sense one here. And this is something I want the church to be aware of. When people are praying and seeking God for the Holy Ghost, and by the way, how many can see the eye, with the eyes of faith hundreds of people seeking for the Holy Ghost in this altar right here? I see it with the eyes of faith right now. When that happens, we as a church have a, a responsibility to keep distractions away from them because, you know, Satan would love to just take any old thing, just anything that he can get to distract someone and take their mind off of what God's trying to do. We ought to keep those things away. We shouldn't be talking. We shouldn't be having conversations. We certain sh certainly shouldn't be telling jokes in the altar and talking about things while, people are, while people's eternity hangs in the balance. We ought to be praying for them and believing that God, and I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. When we come to the altar, we're doing all kinds of things other than being serious about people's salvation. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves as the church of the living God. We ought to remove every distraction that would keep someone from receiving the Holy Ghost. And what we ought to be doing is we ought to be praying and worshiping. You know, worship is the best thing that you can do. When you worship while people are trying to receive the Holy Ghost, while people are crying out to God, God inhabits the praises of His people. That's a powerful scripture to remember. And so when people are seeking the Holy Ghost and you're praising, God is moving and God is responding to that. It's a powerful thing. All right, number six. Failure to seek. Now, this is a simple one, but many people uh, simply think they'll have a wrong understanding that if they want the Holy Ghost and they do certain things, God will just fill them with it, you know, just any time he wants to. You have to seek after the Holy Ghost. I had someone tell me one time, well, I want the Holy Ghost and I've repented. I've been baptized. Why couldn't God fill me with the Holy Ghost, you know, while I'm just getting groceries? 
And I said, well, he might could, but he wants you to seek the Holy Ghost. So you need to be seeking the Holy Ghost. I've never seen anyone just receive the Holy Ghost while they were thinking about their grocery list. People receive the Holy Ghost when they're seeking after God. So you need to be seeking. Amen. Number seven, lack of worship. You should always encourage somebody if they've truly repented of their sins, if they've been baptized in Jesus' name, we should always encourage people to begin to worship God with their mouth. Open up your mouth. Begin to use your voice. Begin to worship God. Begin to, and you know what? That's why it's important that we set that example for them. Shout hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I magnify your name. Thank you, God. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for your blood. Thank you, God, for being here. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. And when people begin to praise God, I'm telling you, I've never seen it fail. When people, if they've repented, if they've been baptized and they begin to worship, God will fill them with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you right now in the authority, God will fill them with the Holy Ghost when they begin to worship. So we should always encourage people to worship. Number eight, a lack of desire. People are just casual about it. And they, you know, if they're casual about their salvation, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're casual about your salvation, God's, God's not going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Not, number nine, irreverence. I've seen a lot of this. I've seen people kind of come, seek the Holy Ghost, but they're very irreverent about what's happening. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They're just irreverent of, of the things of God, disrespectful of the things of God. If you're disrespectful of the things of God, God's not going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And by the way, God's not going to heal your body either if you're disrespectful of the things of God. If you have an irreverent attitude, God's not pleased with that. And we could, I could take you to lots of scriptures. But w- by the way, we all need to be careful of irreverence in our lives. Amen. Number 10, disregard for spiritual authority disregard for spiritual authority in every instance in the book of acts when people received the holy ghost it was it was number one uh peter uh, it was poured out and then and then when peter preached they were filled with the holy ghost and then they called for peter remember the gentiles they called for peter and said come to our house and while he yet spake they filled him with the holy ghost god uses uh preachers and and men and women to speak the word, to preach the word, to lay hands. And if you have a disregard for spiritual authority, if you have a rebellion against spiritual authority, uh, then God's not going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. It's as simple as that. We need to have, and I've seen people who were coming and they were seeking, but they had such a lack of respect for spiritual authority that they could never quite break through into the realm of the Spirit. We need to have a proper understanding of what spiritual authority means in our life. Could we stand as I conclude tonight? And finally, Galatians 5.16 says, To walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so when we walk in the spirit, it brings life. And when we walk in the flesh, it brings death. Every day we have to decide if we're going to walk in life or we're going to walk in death. I don't know about you tonight, but I choose life. Amen. I wonder as we conclude this, by the way, we have Pentecost Sunday coming up uh, the 8th of June. And you know what I think would be the appropriate thing to do for each and every one of us on Pentecost Sunday? I think we should come and be Pentecostal, don't you? I think we, could, I think we should come and worship like Pentecostals. I think we should praise like Pentecostals. I think we ought to shout like Pentecostals. And I think we ought to see a good old-fashioned outpouring of the Holy Ghost just like they did in the book of Acts. How many will lift up your hands right now and pray that God will pour out His Spirit afresh? Lord, right now, God, I pray that you would anoint each and every 
every one of us, Lord. I pray that the Holy Ghost would operate through each and every one of us tonight, God. I pray that you would fill people with the Holy Ghost, God. I pray that you would fill our children, our grandchildren, Lord. I pray that we would see an outpouring on young people, God. That they would speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, Lord. I pray that you give us a hunger, give us a passion, God. Give us a burden, I pray. Help us to never be content, Lord, to just come and go through the motions, God. But that we would be thirsty for the fire of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Go ahead and pray for that person who doesn't have the Holy Ghost. Begin to pray that God would fill them with the Holy Ghost. Come on, intercessor. Come on, prayer warrior. Begin to pray for them right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen.